head off. Okay. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Atlanta Falcons Nation. How are you guys doing today? All is well. All is well. <laughs> All is well. Let's get it cracking. Let's get it cracking. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to go ahead and get into our introductions. Top of the hour, we have Mr. K Styles at the top. Above our special guest there. How you doing, K Styles? Hey, I'm good, man. Hey, like I said, this is an honor and a privilege. <laughs> hey, make sure, like I said, your screens does not deceive you. <laughs> this is not Tay Diggs. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he snuck one in right there. <laughs> this is somebody that is better. And hold, and we hold dear to our hearts. So absolutely. All I right. Think. Hey, welcome, welcome. And next to him, who do we have? You already know Mr. Jew Talk Sports. Juju on that beat, calm before the storm. It's definitely an honor. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Terrence Mathis. Hey, this is like a dream come true for me. Oh, yeah. This is pretty much your first interview, I believe. Look, get into a thousand first interview. You know what? You <laughs> are rolling today, sir. And we did have Matt Mike. I guess he having some technical difficulties. Thank you, Asia. I love my hair, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Um, but let's go ahead. The man of the hour, you know, you don't need no introduction, but just because you are you, Terrence Mathis, tell us who you are. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And hey, people hey, don't hey. know who you are. Hey. <laughs> of course, it's Terrence Mathis, former NFL wide receiver with the Atlanta Falcons, number 81. But number one in your heart, I am that dude, always will be that dude. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We appreciate you being on today, you know, we're running behind just a little bit, people. We apologize for that. But Matt Mike will be joining in the moment. But let's get into these questions, people. And thank you, everybody, for um, being in the chat. Go ahead and share the stream and everything out. I appreciate you guys as well. I see you, Muhammad. I see you, ATM3405. Hi, Isaac. How you doing? I see everybody. Ivan, what's going on, people? But we're going to go ahead and get started on these questions because we need to get to know the man, the uh -oh. myth, the legend. <laughs> so first question while I get my audio together, what inspired you to play football? Ooh, it was funny. I was six years old. And my uncle and cousins and and uh, play little league football, and I used to go watch them practice all the time. And actually, my uncle was the coach. One of my uncles was the coach, and he was pretty much babysitting me. So he gave me a football. The first time I touched a football, I was six years old. Touched the football, and I played with it for two hours. And and right then, I fell in love with it. I watched them watch them practice. I watched games and. And I just fell in love with it. It was just one of those things that I slept with a football, and my mom used to think I was crazy. It, it was like it was like my child, and you know, I just it was one of those sports that you kind of was pushed into. Um, you watched it from your your relatives, then you watched the game, and and when I was younger, I would I got really intrigued with it because my grandfather and I always used to watch one game during the thanksgiving time and that was ohio state in michigan i'm originally from detroit michigan so i used to watch that game all the time and i was like oh man 
I want to be Anthony Carter. I want to be Anthony Carter. That's who all I wanted to be growing up. And then, you know, as you got older, um, you mimic some of the other guys and, and you know, was inspired by a lot, lot more. Okay. And I guess speaking of, since you said that, who inspired you as far as, um, other than your love and passion for as a kid, what player, oh. you know, inspired you actually? And it, can, it mean, doesn't even have to be the NFL. You mean what players? Players. <laughs> it was, it even was, better. It was tons of them. You know, it was from Mercury Moores. It was, you know, I used to, you know, we couldn't afford jerseys or anything like that. So I used to take a white t-shirt and draw a 12 on it. And, Doc, and I was Doug Williams playing in the park, um, you know, and Eric Dickerson. And and then, you know, Jerry Rice, as I got older, it was it was a lot of cats. Lynn Swan, John Starworth, Drew Pearson, Tony Dorsett. It was, it was so, so many that, you know, inspired me and got me excited about playing at the ultimate level. And that's the professional level. Okay, okay. Um, any guys y'all want to add to that before I get to the next question? Okay. Yeah, and then, got a question yeah, for him. He hate me. He hate me. I, that's it. Julie, you had a question? Go yeah, ahead. I had a quick question. Okay. Um, were you a Detroit Lions fan growing up? Because I know you uh, mentioned that you're from Detroit, Michigan. Growing up, was the Detroit Lions your team or Boy, was it another team? Billy Sims was my guy. Billy Sims <laughs> was my dude. What are you talking about? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was Detroit Lions all day, you know. Oh, man. Woo. I remember I, I used to love those Thanksgiving games with Detroit and the Vikings all the time. Y'all don't remember. Y'all too young to remember this. I know you are. Eddie Payton, Walter Payton's brother, one Thanksgiving Day showed out. Oh, wow. it, was, it was, you know, hey, man, I go, look, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm going to always be a fan. I'm a, I love the game, man. I love the game. I'm glad you loved it because we enjoyed watching you play for the Falcons. Definitely. <laughs> and, um. Actually, who was your favorite teammate or coach um, you played with when you played with the Falcons, actually? Oof. See, that's an unfair question because I'm going to make somebody mad <laughs> if I don't say the right name. How about this? All of them. No. <laughs> well, you know what? for your um, position, who you, you know had what? to basically be side by side, you know, you as know far what? as my, who you had to interact with every day as Falcon. My, my favorite coach. Um, in my years with the Falcons probably was Art Shell. Art Shell was the first black head football coach in the National Football League uh, with the Raiders. He came over to us and he was an offensive line coach and he was a true man. And he he helped me, you know, to stay a professional. You know, some of the things that he would tell us about the old days, some of the like Marcus Allen and some of the guys that are in the Hall of Fame now, your eyes will be big and you go, wow. And um, he was a true inspiration um, just being around him. Uh, far as players, you know who I played with. I played with Andre Risen, Bert Emanuel, Eric Metcalf, Ricky Sanders, J.J. Uh, Burden, um, quite a few guys, you know, but the guy that probably I complimented with the most was Tony Martin. Um, Tony Martin, I remember him coming in from, from mm -hmm. San Diego. 
we were roommates and first thing he said to me he says we're going to the super bowl we're going to the super bowl we're going to catch we're going to catch 100 balls apiece we're going to go over a thousand yards and we're going to have double digit touchdowns i was like okay 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 and and we competed against each other every day in practice and on game day we never worried about who had all the catches or who didn't have any catches because we knew sooner or later it was going to balance out. And it kind of did. The only stat that I beat him in that year, and we did actually go to the Super Bowl that year, uh, it was touchdowns. Other than that, we were comfortable. You know, everything else was kind of even. Okay. And then you get into the Pro Bowl that year or what it year was, was that? It was after my 90, it was my first season here after I left New York. I came here as a free agent. And it was my first year here at 94. I caught 111 balls. I, you're going to always remember this because it's your Pro Bowl year. 111 yes. balls, 1,342 yards, and 11 touchdowns. <laughs> I'm going to always remember that. That was hey, the best remember the numbers. <laughs> There's a lot of ones in them numbers, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> number Everybody one. Uh, you know, at, at the time, at the time, that was the third most catches in NFL history. Um, yes. So, you know, like we said, you know, there was always someone before someone else. But uh, it was a fun year. You know, I went to the Pro Bowl and I was in awe because I'm playing with guys that, you know, you you grew up watching, you know, Jerry Rice and, you know, hung out with Barry Sanders. And you, I had my quarterbacks with Steve Young. Troy Aikman and Warren Moon, all in the Hall of Fame. So it was, it was, uh, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Oh yeah, and I could imagine that. Like you said, it's basically you're competing against these teammates or you know other teams, but to get together and have to be a part of the you know South or whichever, right. Right. it's kind of an honor, you know, to kind of it play is. these people together on the same team. So now a lot of things have changed with this Pro Bowl stuff lately mm -hmm. because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. but just to have that experience then probably was awesome. And let's get into since we are going into our draft, I kind of want to get into your since you remember your Pro Bowl days. What was your experience just being drafted? Terrible. You remember that? Terrible. 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 You got to understand. I came out of college. I was a consensus All American. Um, I broke numerous of uh, not only. Uh, university records, but conference records and NCAA records. So I was projected to be one of the first three receivers drafted in the 1990 draft. And we had a big party and everything. And first round goes by and nothing. Second round goes by nothing. Third round goes by nothing. The day ends and I'm going to, uh, they take it off the air, but this draft is going on and I keep getting phone calls from my agent and people are calling him, but nobody's pulling the trigger. Uh, I left that evening and I was, I was distraught. Um, I then I got mad. I got really, 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 really mad. And all I said is, uh, <clears throat> I said, Lord, just give me one team, just one team. And I promise you, I'm going to play my butt off of that team. And the New York Jets called me on the second day. And I played four years uh, with the New York Jets. I got drafted in the sixth round. This is the amazing thing. There were 17 other receivers picked before me. And out of those 
out of those 17 receivers picked, um, maybe one has more catches that I've that I've had in my career. Maybe one has only played more than six years. And then the 19th receiver picked in the draft was Shannon Sharp, who would turn into a tight end and, and is now is a Hall of Famer. So it was funny because we were sitting there at the combine on the floor and we kept saying, we're not going to run fast. We're not going to run fast. We didn't run fast, and that's probably why we didn't get drafted as high as we should have. But, you know, look, I played with a chip on my shoulders for 13 years, and, you know, finally it's going down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that chip will always be there. You know it's that there. you are so, a definite it's legend. There. It's there because, you know, you got to understand the mentality that I had was, you know, you know, coming out of college, that they were telling I me mean, coming out of high school, they were telling me I was too too small, I wasn't tall enough. You know, those things wasn't big enough. I remember a recruiter uh, pulled me out of class. Um, he loved my film, and he, he he said, "You're gonna be a great player, but you you're really too small to play in the SEC." And that was the uh, University of Tennessee. Oh man, I I cursed him out in my head. You know, I didn't say it out loud. I didn't want to be disrespectful. But the ironic thing was I got a chance to play Tennessee my sophomore year in Knoxville and put on a show. I tried to find that coach after the game. I couldn't find him. But, you know, every time I had an opportunity to play against the SEC team, I wanted to break a record or establish who I was um, as a player. And they missed out on it. So I've had a chip on my shoulder most of my life. Then coming out of college, they said I wasn't fast enough, tall enough, big enough, which I wasn't. I went to the Jets. It's funny. The first day I went to the Jets, I weighed in. I was 160 pounds, 160 pound wide receiver. And um, they said I was too slow, too, you know, not big enough. But one fall, one fall afternoon, we playing the Cowboys. I caught a punt, went 98 yards for a touchdown, which still is a Jets record. And it was an NFL record for a while. Um, I'm saying these things to say that every time you tell me I can't, I'm going to prove to you that I can. And then, you know, after I established myself in the NFL, they says, well, you'd never be a, a every down player. You always be a third down player because you're not big enough whatsoever. So then I come to Atlanta in that first year. You know what happened. I gave you the numbers. So you keep telling me I can't. I'm going to prove you wrong every time. Okay. And Mike, Mike you said you had a question. Um, I do. I, I kind of go back to what he was saying about <laughs> this is a question that it wasn't necessarily on the list, but this is something that I uh, we actually did an interview with uh, Reggie Kelly. We did an uh, interview with Reggie Kelly, and Reggie, he, like he gave you a, he gave you a lot of praise, and basically he was saying not only him, uh, Chuck Smith, Reggie Kelly, it's like one of the things that they said they admired most about you was your ability to just find a way to get open. Somehow, somewhere, you always found a way to get open. How exactly? Because this is something that like. We got guys that can run a, a four two. You see it, you see the combine number these days. Yeah, guys, yeah, come yeah. Out yeah, yeah. How the hell did you get open if you were so slow? How did yeah. like how did that happen? Um it was study, film study. 
you know, um, learning the game, being a student of the game, working on your craft, doing things, you know, in practice, trying out things, not being afraid to be different in the way you run routes and, and those things. And the way I studied film was was second to none. You know, I can honestly watch any one of you for three minutes, just walk around, jog around, and I can tell you the deficiency in the way you run, the way you walk, and how I will attack you if I was playing against you or if you was playing against me. And that's 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 that was the whole story of it. It was the whole story. And then learning where everyone was in 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 zone defense, man defense, and then knowing in that zone who were the guys that was going to get to you fast or who they didn't, who was the big hitters, who was the grapplers, all those things that, you know, I, I learned to help me to be the best that I could be. Can I throw a, a second? I want to throw a second, a second um, question to that because that 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 right there is something I find interesting. Um, we're talking about got it studied film, um, but there's there's things in the NFL right now as far as the receivers are concerned. Like what? And you may have just answered the question, but what about the receivers today there's something that they that you see that they don't do that you guys did in the day um i tell you i i, I i'm say this um this is that coaching is terrible in the nfl whoa uh, i'm gonna tell you that wow. right now it's it's some teams just don't have really wow. good football. they have coaches but they don't have teachers you got to understand if you can't teach a kid, if you can't get a kid that's coming out of college that runs a 4340, he's 6'5, 215 pounds, and you can't teach him how to get in and out of his breaks, how to separate, to create angles, all these things, you, you're just collecting a check. Because, you know, when you get to the NFL, you know, some of the coaches that are coaching positions have never played those positions before. So now you're getting coaches that's just getting game plans and practice plans and saying, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to practice. And you go out there and you do drills, but you don't know how to demonstrate drills or tell him how the drills are going to affect him or help him when he gets on the field on Sunday afternoons. So that's the problem. That's the difference you see, because there's a lot of talent that comes through the through the pipe here. Uh, on every team and you always go why is he a bust or why did he get better it's not his fault okay let me take that back it's not all his fault right. at the end of the day but you know my thing and, and i'm and i told you guys earlier i'm a straight shooter i'm gonna tell you the way it is there's bad coaching in the in the nfl understand this when you get to week 14 and the 15 and you have 60% uh, or even 70% of your NFL teams vying for a playoff spot. What is that? What is that? And and, and I'm not yeah. talking about at with teams that got 10 or 11 or 12. I'm talking about teams with six and seven and eight wins. What is that? That's parity. Mm -hmm. That's parity, and that's what the NFL right. wanted. That's what it's come to because 
<laughs> I'ma say it again. When you hire your friends or when you hire with Ooh. nepotism, that is what you're gonna get. Yeah. That is what you're gonna get. Absolutely, because they do seem to kind of fill in rosters yeah. and positions and you know coaching right. positions right. based on like you said oh, friendship man. if you worked with this person yeah. before let's bring them back on over let's do it again mm -hmm. that doesn't I, that doesn't I, change anything about the concept after the fact you you right. failed this the first time what makes you think coming back to get on the whole another team yeah. with a different uh, game plan is going to change anything uh, sometimes well, this, this, since we're, we're, we're talking about coaching whatsoever i'm a segue into this you cannot tell mm -hmm. me when there's a league that's 70 percent black players african-american players and it's been that way for almost 20 plus years it's been that way for 20 plus years and we keep seeing the decline in black head coaches in the nfl that's strange to me and then you, 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 hey, man, this is what you tell us. This is what you tell us. Well, you need to coach at some level, high school. You need to coach at the college level, be a coordinator, uh, do an internship whatsoever. Um, and then hopefully get hired, you know, be, uh, quality control whatsoever. So my 13 years, my pro bowl status my all pro status it plays against me because i didn't do all those things and this dude who played high school football and been an intern and been a do boy for so many years all of a sudden he gets he gets going 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 gets upward mobility and then you weigh him against me because oh he has 13 years of coaching experience or he's been in the, he's been in the NFL for 13 years. Well, I played for 13 years. Don't that count for something? That's against us. That is really against us. And you know what? It's a crying shame. It's a crying shame. It is the way it is. But let me tell you something. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have shut everybody's mouth. It's a copycat league. All their coordinators, special teams, offense, and defense or coordinators were African Americans, and they won the Super Bowl. So you you still say we can't oh. coach? You still say we can't coach? Okay. What's the excuse? Oh. What's the excuse? Oh. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. Okay. All right. I'm about. Hey, look, look, oh, I'm about to say, boy, you about to make me reach into my wallet and give you about five dollars on that one. I'm telling you. Y'all silly, man. Hey, 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 hey. Please go check out that channel. You will get a lot of hot takes at that channel. Hey, look, I'm about to say, when he was talking about them coaches, boy, I had to hold back. Hold Listen to me. Listen to me. At the end of the day, I get it. It's going to upset some people. It may even upset some people in the Falcon organization. It may upset some people, but that's okay. Guess what? I'll be 54 in June. I've been trying to get a job for 12 years in the NFL, and it looks like it's not going to happen. So guess what? I don't care. I don't exactly. Care. I don't care. You get what you, what you're, you're not going to hire me anyway. You're not going to mm -hmm. hire me anyway. So what? 
So let me tell you what I how think you how I feel. So absolutely. Yes, yeah, so go definitely go follow his platform so y'all can follow him. He but gives listen, his I didn't, takes. But the thing is, I didn't say any names, so I'm good. Yes, <laughs> I, and I you did it. This is we don't do that here, man. What stays here stays here. Okay. If they want to come, they want to see what he they want to see what Terrence said, they gotta come to Atlanta Falcons Nation and they gotta go Atlanta Sports Unlimited. Go check him out if you want to hear from him. All right. So yes. we don't do all that. Okay, Styles, you well, I saw I, look, I saw the steam coming out of the head and fault the camera and all that stuff. <laughs> but but um since you saying all that, um the 1998 season. Okay, boy. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Tell mm -hmm. us that experience that led up to that Super Bowl and how it was experiencing that big game and how special that season was. And my question also to add to that, did y'all party in Miami? <laughs> You know, we, we, we started the season with a win. We started the season with a win against Carolina. Um, and then we uh we won our second game, then we went on the road against San Francisco and got beat really bad. Mm -hmm. And uh it was one of those things that you know, it was like we can't win them all. That, that's the way we felt. We can't win them all. So we we were four and one. No, we were three and one going into New York to play. Um, no, we were four and one going into New York to play the Jets. And we got beat um, handedly against the Jets. So I remember this is where our season turned around. Uh we got in the locker room and everybody was down. Chuck Smith went off. He says, what do you, you know, wait, hey, season's not over with. We're, we're still four and two. You know, it's not over yeah, with. Yeah, it's not and over we, with. Went, we went crazy and everybody started high-fiving oh, each other and said, let's finish strong. Let's finish strong. And um, as you know, we, we rolled after that. We, we went we went on a roll after that. And then we get into the. We get into the playoffs. We beat the San Francisco 49ers the second time we played them. So we knew we possibly was going to see them again in the playoffs. So we get them in the playoffs at home. And it was that feeling of we, we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose. And we had that we had that cocky confidence going all the way through. We get to Minnesota. We play in that game and we were down. Uh, we were down in that game. And where the Vikings, where that game turned around was right before half. Chuck Smith got a strip sack, recovered the ball. Next play, touchdown pass to me. And now instead of being down 20-something points, we were, we were down 18 at halftime. And then we came out in the second half and we took it down to the wire. And, you know, unfortunately, their kicker missed a field goal, gave us a chance, and we drove down and won the football game. So it man, you talking about a magical season. You talking about you talking about 53 guys who just loved each other. Mm -hmm. When I say we loved each other, we truly cared about each other. 
We trusted each other. We trusted the coaching staff. See, that's the difference between champions and non-champions. There's trust has to go on between players and coach and coaches and players. If that does not happen, you're not going to win a championship. And and you you may get there, but you may not win it. Uh, so we go into the Super Bowl. That week was was we, we did some things uncharacteristic of the Atlanta Falcons and the Dirty Birds. Uh, and it. You know, it kind of took us off tilter a little bit. We get into that game and it was kind of funky situation. And we had chances to score touchdowns, kick field goals and be in the game. And, you know, and it, we threw interceptions when the guys were open. So we did. We, we partied. We partied a little bit until Wednesday because. Wednesday was curfew time. So we got there on a Sunday. We partied all the way up into Tuesday night. <laughs> and then curfew was curfew started Wednesday on out. I'm listening to this part because yeah, I, I, I know. I know. I I was I was good on that trip because my wife was there with our newborn. <laughs> My mom, my mom was there. So you uh, had to act right. Yeah, I had to act right. <laughs> my mom was there. My sisters were there. My aunt, my aunt and uncle was there. So my grandparents was there. So I, I was no, on the no. But you know, and I know what you're alluding to. It was unfortunate. Um, oh, the yeah. Eugene I mean, Robinson thing happened. It was it was really really unfortunate. It you know for for a guy that is is loved by so many and an inspiration of so many and had been an influence to so many um it was something that you know hey man we all are human we fall we oh, fall the thing yeah, is we try to get him on the show shoot we fall <laughs> we, and we, get back up. we fall and we get back up Absolutely. i was let me tell you something I would never blame Eugene Robinson for a loss of a game because one man does not win or lose oh, no. a football game. It's a team effort, definitely. Um, I still love him like a brother, and he knows how I feel. He, you know, I, there's some teammates still hold resentment against him, but I can't because at the end of the day, you know, we've all made mistakes, and we all want to be forgiven for our mistakes. And you know we, who we can blame for that? I'll blame. That I remember this game like it was yesterday. It was right before we started to play. The Denver Broncos was doing the dirty bird on the field. Oh. I don't know if you recall that. But it was the whole headline, and they was doing yeah. the dirty bird. I was like, look at them mocking us already. Well, I felt uh, like that put a damper on our spirits in the beginning. I'm going I'm to I'm spill the tea right here if you've never heard this story before. So Wednesdays, when you go into practice, it's usually the game plan day. That's when you practice the game plan mm -hmm. leading up to Sunday. So the defensive game plan, special team offensive game plan. So when we get the offensive game plan on Wednesday, Wednesday morning meetings, I'm sitting in there and I'm going, I'm looking at it. I'm flipping pages, flipping pages, and I don't recognize anything on the page. And I'm going, what the hell is this? And receiver coach wow. said, well, this is this is what they want us, want you, we're going to run this week. I got up, true story, I got up, ran into the offensive coordinator room where the quarterbacks were and asked him, I says, what is this? What is this? We haven't done this ever. What is this? Even Chris Chandler was like, I was mad. So we're going to play the biggest game in Atlanta Falcon history. And here it is. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We had three days. 
to get really good at something we haven't done all year. I knew it so, seemed like you guys were kind of just. We were off. You can see. Yeah, I was definitely off. Yeah. The same thing. Defense did the exact same thing. So you got your defense and your offense trying to perfect a game plan that they've never done before, before the biggest game of Falcons history. Why did we do this, put this in the bye week, the week before we got to Miami? Then we probably would have headed down pat going into the week of the game. But that's what happened. And, and I, look, even Dan Reeves even admitted and, and apologized for that. So, you know, I'm not telling, saying nothing that's not true. So you have those things and then you have the distraction. And there was the downfall right there. Yeah. I should that's have had a right, 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 right here. Right 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 <laughs> but you guys were still the Dirt best Dirt team Dirt that Dirt year, Dirt though. Dirt <laughs> Dirt <laughs> Dirt 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you you know what the, the the thing is is that you know the charges was dropped. Um, oh, that's the main thing. That's good. The charges was dropped, and I'm you know my thing is I don't like talking about it because it's not my story. Exactly. It's not my situation. Mm-hmm. He would have to tell you everything about it. I know what happened, and because I have talked to him about it, but it ain't my place. Mm-hmm. To tell you the whole story, he is got a connection, you know. If y'all still communicate, tell the Atlanta Falcons Nation would love to interview him. We're not here, yeah. It's that you get to speak freely as open as you want. This is not the place yeah. for all that politically correct stuff, yeah. This is the real. I get you, I get you. Um, what else Juice we have? Sports, Juice Talks, what you got going on? And I have a couple of more questions. We're going to get into these current Falcons in a moment. Okay. But go ahead and do what you got for them. That's what I want to ask about. I want to ask about these current Falcons because he is straight okay, student. Let's do it. Let's so do I know it. that he's not going to gloss over Whoa, it. What is, what is the biggest problem with our current Atlanta Falcons? If you want to take it back to last season, what's our biggest deficiency? What do we need to fix with this team? Do you feel like Matt Ryan – is one of our problems because our fan base, for whatever reason, thinks that Matt Ryan is one of our major issues and that we need to draft one of these young quarterbacks. So I want to hear it from the man himself that played the game. They don't think we know anything. Me, Matt, Mike, and K-Styles and Miss Maggie, we just fans. But we need to hear it from the man, the myth, the legend. What is the problem with these current Falcons? Why are we underachieving? Because we got way too much talent on this team to be going, what, 4-12? I already know his head went straight to the ground. I already know what he's right. about to say. <laughs> well, let me let me let me ask you this. Well, let me let me say it this way. If if I score 35 points and you go and you score 36, who is? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so you you keep saying, but see, you, you we, we want to blame Matt because even though that team scored that 36 point. And we get the ball back. We want him to win the game. And when he does not win the game, it's Matt's fault. Right. Understand this. In 
every football franchise is only two people get wins and losses. That's the head coach mm -hmm. and the quarterback. Well, you never heard us say Julio Jones is four and twelve. No. You never heard. <laughs> you never. Heard, you never even heard Arthur Blank is four and twelve. No, it's right. the coaching is the head coach and the quarterback. That's where mm -hmm. wins and losses come from. But let me let me tell you this. This is this this is what I see with this Falcons team over the last three years. Is this, you know, they 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 kind of went on this brotherhood thing, brotherhood thing, brotherhood thing. But who was the big brother in the brotherhood? Mm. Boy, oh my God! <laughs> who was the big brother? Who was the big brother in the brotherhood? Oh my God! Oh, we've been saying that. brotherhood, but there's got to be a big brother, or there's got to be two or three oh. big brothers. That's Absolutely. hey, that's saying, come on, follow me, jump on my back, let me lead you. Come on, I got you, and when I'm down, you got me. I kept hearing this. I kept waiting. I kept, nobody knew accountability from nobody. And, and you know what? You know what? You know what? Though the thing is, is, is this, is that? You know, I. I it's not. It's, you know, I'm not faulting anybody with this, but at the same time, you know, I always say this in every meeting room. So you got your offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, so on, so on. Everybody got a meeting room, right? So you got to have a lead dog in each meeting room. When I say a lead dog, you got to have that dude in that meeting room that don't stand for laziness, oh or lack of intensity, and it shows you the way to practice, the way to prepare, and the way to play every week. So every young guy that comes in that meeting room is going to say, oh, my God, I'm in the NFL. I got to be like this. So he's going to work his tail off to compete against that lead dog, to stay on that lead dog's hip. And when he's on that lead dog hip, guess what? Everybody wins. But if you're in the back and that and that lead dog is in the back of the room going. And then on, oh Sunday, on, mm -hmm. on Sundays, want to flip the switch and be that lead dog. It don't work that way. It don't work that way in the NFL. I don't care how much money you make. It don't work that way. You got to be that dude when you walk into the building and when you leave the building. And then when you leave the building, you got to be that dude at home, in the community, wherever. You, you got to be that dude in the grocery store. When you pushing your buggy, they got to say, that's that dude. Yep. That's that dude. And that's how you be successful because everybody wants to be like that dude. Because he's seeing, because everybody's seeing that dude getting a pat on the back and high fiving and getting the new contracts and get all his money. So I want to be like that dude. I'm gonna work my butt off to get what he's getting. And then guess what? It makes everybody better. But you know what? I'm gonna add to what you just said because Keenan, um, Keenan and Chuck Smith and everybody was basically they didn't have fear yeah. for those um, coaches. Mm -hmm. When you saw Dan Reeves come in the locker room, you straighten up is what oh. the message we was getting. Oh, my you straighten goodness. up and get right when Dan Reeves oh, come wait, in there. Hold up, hold up now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in the locker room dancing, joking, whatsoever. <laughs> and kick him, coach, kick him, coach. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Not only that, 
You picked up around your locker, your helmet, and everything. Uh oh, so everything is true. He was, <laughs> he was attention to detail. I put our helmets never hit the ground unless they were on our head and we were hitting the ground with them. It was never on the ground <laughs> in practice or on game day. We always had our helmets on or in our hands. I mean, it was it was attention to details. Everybody had to look the same in practice. If we look. If you had on black socks, he sent you in to put on white socks. It was that's the way it was. If you're if you're if you didn't have pads in your pants, he sent you in to get pads in your pants. He says, We all gonna look alike, we're gonna dress alike, and we're gonna play as a team. And that's how it was. It was even though we had individual characters on the team, we still was a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to say, uh, are you sure you wasn't a preacher after you retired? I got y'all y'all just you ain't seen me speak at church yet. <laughs> I do have a question for you. Um, okay. is there a lost art in the receiver position now compared to when you played? In the yes. NFL, yes, it is. It is. It's a lost art because it, it's because the college game, the college game is spread and it's so wide open whatsoever. So you can have three, four, even five receivers that don't feel at a time. You know, when we play, you only had the most was probably three receivers. So we had to be, we had to run routes, we had to block, we had to do those things necessary to be successful. And you know when. You, Understand this. When you line up against that dude, Deion Sanders, if you ain't ready to play, he going to embarrass you. He going <laughs> to embarrass you. You know, I tell you, the game, the, 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 the routes, the offensive game plans that are implemented today in the NFL really don't cause for receivers to run routes 90% of the time. Uh, yeah, you get open, you this and that, but you know, it was it was a time where this true. This there was a time where if I'm lined up and first quarter I may have two or three catches. You know what coach gonna say? Well, shoot, he's we're gonna keep going that way until they stop it. So come keep feeding me, come keep feeding me. Come look, I ain't coming off the field. I don't care. I don't care how tired I am. I ain't coming off the field because they feed me and I want to eat and I'm helping this team win. And especially I ain't coming off the field in the red zone. I'm I'm trying to score a touchdown. <laughs> I don't care. Look, I don't care about catching. I'd rather have I'd rather have three catches for three touchdowns. Or I'd rather have mm -hmm. six catches and three touchdowns than anything else. So the art, you know what? But there's you gotta understand the era I played in. Let's name a few receivers. Jerry Rice, Michael mm -hmm. Irv, Andre Reed, Chris Carter, Herman Moore, Randy Moss. Man, amazing. Then, then you want to go, you want to go into uh, you know, it's Terrell Owens. Come on, mm -hmm. man. We can keep going. We can keep oh, going. Yeah. I, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt. I played in the era where dudes were dudes. I named about what 12 receivers. Mm -hmm. Give me five right now that you say, oh, those are dudes. You can't give me five right now. You're going to have to go. I rattled off 12 just like that. Mm -hmm. 
I played with Ryzen. I'm telling you, dude, Ryzen was special, man. Y'all don't understand how special he was. He he was so quick and, and deceptive, man. He ran some beautiful routes. He had the best hands I've ever seen. He, he had Those were amazing hands. years. I'm not going to lie. We, we haven't got back to that type of football in a long, long time. I do miss that era. I definitely do. I that think was, that you guys was the uh, a great team. That was fun going to that super year. It was super fun. I said year. I said something last week on on you know that that I would I asked the fans. I said, "What do you want?" I said, "You guys are spoiled." I said, "You want so celebrities as football players, and uh, so you don't care about." I said, do we care about wins and losses or do we just want a guy that so we can say that's our guy? You know, it'd be nice if we it'd be nice if we get a guy and say that's our guy and we win games with our guy, but you know, we were spoiled starting back with Dion. I said it last week. Started back with Dion, then it went to Michael Vick, you know, Jamal and then so on and so on. Now we in we're in the era where Julio Jones is banged up more than he usually is, and but he's still that dude. You know what I'm saying? I literally tweeted those words out. Understand this. Understand this. If you wake up on Sunday morning, who do you say you're going to see play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? You say I'm going to see the Falcons. Yeah, who do you say? Do you say I'm going to see Matt Ryan? Do you say I'm going to see Julio, Debo, yeah. mm-hmm. Grady? Or to see the Falcons who, play. Who do you right. say? Mm-hmm. Uh, guess what? When when the Ravens fans wake up in the morning, guess who they say they're going to see? <laughs> Lamar Jackson. I'm going to see Lamar Jackson. I'm going to see Lamar Jackson. Oh my god. I'm telling you, this man just said everything that I said. I have, I'm just sitting here. I've been saying the exact same thing that we are spoiled rotten because of who, like, great. And like I said, I'm not saying that is their fault, but Falcons fans have been privileged to have a special. A, a cornerback, a player like Deion Sanders and Michael Vick, we are spoiled rotten. Mm-hmm. We don't appreciate guys like Terrence Mathis. It's nothing. It's, it was nothing. And God for, for, forgive me for saying this. It wasn't nothing. One one particular thing, when you look at Terrence Mathis, what did Terrence Mathis do well? You can't really say it. All you can say with Terrence Mathis is he just got the damn job done. <laughs> You got the catches. You made the big catches when we needed you to make the catch. You got touchdown. We needed you to block. You did all of that, and nobody remembers. Like not not saying nobody remember. The real Falcons fan know who Terrence Mathis mm-hmm. is. It was mm-hmm. Terrence Mathis. Okay, let's be real. It was Terrence Mathis, and then Ryder, and then came Julio. So you gonna always be the number one. We are gonna always be the number one receiver in this franchise history. Barnard, period. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate that, it. So that's, that's why he's number 81. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so let's get back. Since let's segue into this now. Let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about the number four pick. 
Oh, that was going to be pretty much what we leading it to this question. So go ahead with it. So, we was waiting on it. Um, as of what? Two Just basically ago, two days yeah. ago, that well, number sure. four pick is not attractive as it used to be mm. because of mm -hmm. what you know what uh, San Francisco and Miami did when they swapped to get the third. When San Francisco went to three, and now we know they're probably going to get one of the quarterbacks. So that number four pick is not appetizing to teams now because of the fact that, well, we're going to miss out on one, one of the top four quarterbacks that we want. And so we're going to wait and see what you're going to do, Falcons. So, I mean, right now, I, I, you know, look, the Bears really need a franchise quarterback. They need to draft a franchise quarterback. They haven't had one ever, ever. As a Bears had a franchise quarterback, they they played with Jim McMahon and won the Super Bowl, but he was not a franchise quarterback. Understand mm -hmm. this: the only way I make that deal with the Bears if they give me Khalil Mack, <laughs> I trade first round picks with you, and you give me Khalil Mack. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. I do that all day. Be right there, like, hey, look. <laughs> That's the only way to look. That's the only way the Bears gonna get. That's the only way the Bears gonna get a franchise quarterback. Mm. I, look, I got my franchise quarterback. Here's an interesting stat, guys. In the last ten years, there's only one quarterback in every year through over four thousand mm. yards. Guess who that is? Take a guess. Matt Ryan. Matthew. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. And let me tell you. Uh, Brady only did it four times. Aaron Rodgers did it three times, I think it was. Yeah. And there's nobody else. I'm telling <laughs> you. And, and, and you want to get rid of this guy? Why? Why? Okay, yeah. He's getting older and it's time. Yeah, I get it's it. It's time to kind of get his time. I know, it's time. I get it. Let's see. First, let's see what happens under this new regime. Let's see Thanks. how Matt performs under his sixth offensive coordinator in six years. <laughs> let's, see. Let's, see how he, let's see how he performs. I tell you one thing, you know, the, the, in free agency, we did one, one good thing in free agency that I like is picking up Mike Davis from Carolina. I think he's a, he's a, he's a good receiver out of the backfield, and he runs hard. And I think that's what you need. You need a guy that's going to run hard and and make everybody go, ooh, and it uplifts mm -hmm. the team. Um, we haven't had that um, for a while. Mm -hmm. And speaking of draft, um, I know you said with that fourth pick, Let's do you feel the Falcons are going to stay there or you think it's best to draft back? What is, you know, what is your thoughts on that? You know, my thoughts on that is because the reason why I, I'm going to say this is because the Falcons are only maybe two or three players away of winning the division and even playing in the NFC championship game. I'm going to say that. Um, and I truly believe that if you're going to build Matt Ryan and Julio may have two or three years left in them. So if we're going to build to for after that, we need picks, we need players. So I would get, I would actually, I would get out of the first round. And get me some more number twos, some more number threes, and number, hey, number fours. Hey, 
let me tell you let me tell you why i would get more threes and fours than i would too because threes and four is gonna be like one and two ain't better than me mm-hmm. i'm gonna show you he's not better than me you find some so gems in the later three, rounds three and four are gonna say i'm gonna show them and then he's gonna say oh he should make more money than me so he's gonna not only gonna prove to you that he's better than one and two but he's gonna play for a next contract so that makes mm. him better and makes everybody better so threes and fours are those dudes because they feel they should be one and two so i'm getting out of the first round and get me some more twos and two threes and fours and build this franchise for the long haul and you know, and it, you gotta just look at it like this. Sometimes injuries play why they didn't get up there. Sometimes, um, of course, the team you might have played for. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a lot of situations that's yeah, going on not, that you wasn't not, that top man. Does it doesn't mean that you're not great? Right. It doesn't mean that you're not good. It just happened you didn't rank at that time. But mm-hmm. now you know that you're getting into the NFL. You prepare yourself. You do more than you you know. You get ready for this moment, regardless of what part part of this draft you get in. Miss Maggie, ten minutes ago, I said I was drafted in the sixth round, and I was upset. There you go. Mm-hmm. Thirteen years later, there it is. There so, you go. You know, there's you you gonna find some guys, but you got to do your due diligence. You got to do your due diligence. You can't just pick guys because they sitting there. You got to pick guys that you know. You got to because it fits. Already had interviews with these guys and know mm-hmm. how they feel. You know, you know if a guy is hungry or if, if a guy just said, oh, it'd be cool to play in the NFL. Or if there's a guy that's like, oh, my God, it'd be an honor and I'd give my right leg for it. Well, that's the dude I want because my mama yes. be proud, my grandma be proud. You know, this, 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 and that. If, 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 you know, you, you, you can find out a lot about a kid when you ask him, when you get your signing bonus, what's the first thing you're going to buy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's telltale right there. If if Mama is number two or number three or number four, you're gonna have problems. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. If you come, if you come before Mama, you're gonna have issues with that player. You're gonna have issues with that player. You know, some kids. Grew up middle class family, upper class family, so they're fine. But most of them, a lot of them, have not. So it's like, Mama, you you didn't you didn't see Mama make magic with some rice and beans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> with some tuna helper, huh? You didn't see that. So so you want to make sure Mama okay first. I'm gonna be okay, but Mama, I seen the struggle. Let me do this for you. That's right. Jew, Jew, talk. You got something? I got one qu- one more question for him. Um, is there any wide receiver right now in the game that reminds uh reminds you of yourself? So like a, is it any player in the league that reminds you of like a, a younger Terrence Mathis? Does anybody Ooh. emulate your game in today's game? Calvin Ridley. Wow. If you watch Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley is probably one of the best route runners of a young receiver I've seen in a long, long time. Um, He was, you know, he was small like I was when I first came into the league. I I think if he gets to the weight room, 
put on maybe another five or ten pounds of muscle um it will give him more confidence of catching the ball and getting yards after the catch you see what i'm saying yes um it's it's one of those because trust me i was i've been there i've been there where you're the smallest guy on that field and you got a 225 pound safety coming downhill it don't feel well but once i got in the weight room and got bigger and took the mentality of i'm gonna hit you before you hit me they wasn't coming down as fast anymore <laughs> yeah 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 because we saw a lot of moonwalking from calvin Ridley, so I'm glad you broke that down. oh wow i'm glad you broke that down because wow. <laughs> i've been critical i've been critical calvin Ridley, and this is the reason why i said i've been critical and he may be on the chopping block. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't like Calvin really, and I'm not saying I'm not support Calvin really. But when you look at what Arthur Smith, you look at his scheme and what he likes to do with his receivers, he likes to call a lot of routes that, you know, requires receivers to go across the middle. Right. And Calvin really is one of those guys, like Matt Ryan has thrown a lot of bad balls and interceptions, you know, Thrown to Calvin Ridley because Calvin Ridley doesn't really want to go over the middle. So, do you like what? I think you already, you know, kind of answered that. But what do you feel as though like we, he needs to do to kind of, you know, get over that fear of going across the middle? Mm. That's something get, that you can. He need to get smacked one time, pow, and get up, <laughs> shake his head, look around, and say, "I'm still alive." Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's all it takes, man. I'm I, you. You laugh, but that's all it takes. All you have to do is get smacked one time, catch the ball, mm -hmm. get smacked, get up, and every, I'm good on my faculties. Is here, okay. I'm good. <laughs> so now you're not afraid anymore. I made. That's where I made my money is between the numbers. I wasn't oh, yes. no sideline guy. I wanted to, mm -hmm. the reason why I like between the numbers because I knew I was quicker. And faster than every linebacker and every safety. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I knew once I caught it, I was on my way. I was on my way. And I see a lot of people want that question again with the fourth pick in the draft. Who should you select? <laughs> I think okay. he already answered that, Denny. But okay. if you want to right. go ahead so and we address go, it again, let we go hypothetical here. We we'll go hypothetical here. If I'm a, if I'm the Falcons and I'm gonna keep that fourth pick. There's three guys I'm looking at right now. The two defensive ends at Penn State and the defensive end at Michigan. Those are the because at the end of the day, we need that type of player to help put pressure on quarterbacks. Now, you go, well, you've said before you wouldn't pick an edge rusher. Yeah, I said that. I said that, but I said if you're going to pick at four, that's what you're going to have to do. Now, when you pick a guy that high at that position, that's just like playing – paying an offensive tackle and a quarterback. So do you have the money to pick an edge rusher that high? That's the question. That's why I said I wouldn't pick an edge rusher that high because of the fact that you don't have the money to pay a guy like he's a quarterback or offensive tackle. Right. It's some it's some sneaking going on here because you basically <laughs> saying everything we've been saying. Man, you, sure you haven't been watching us. You sure you weren't like since you saying everything we've been saying. But see, Good but, but see, this is the thing, man. This is the thing. And and I tried to put you at in a position as if I was a GM 
and we were sitting in a boardroom and we're sitting there we we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with that fourth pick if we can't get rid of that fourth pick um like we want to and get what we want for it i'm gonna have to go out and get a dude that's going to make an impact for us defensively and that's a, uh -huh. a, a defensive end and you know you, you that's that's what you have to do i'm all about defense because Give us a couple of more pieces on offense. We all right. Yeah. It's that defense that scared the heck out of me. Yeah. Because going to that fourth quarter every time. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the offense getting restless, the defense yeah. getting restless, and look what happens. This is, I'm telling you, this is, this is, you know, if I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay, I'm taking Debo with all his speed and plus his size and his quickness. I'm playing him at outside linebacker because he can cover a tight end and run it back out of the backfield. And plus he can rush the passer. He can get there. So I'm going to get a bigger body. That's going to fill the gaps on run game whatsoever and get mm. tackle to tackle to make plays. I'm getting that, that thumper. Boom, boom. And I got another guy on the other side that's at linebacker. That's, that's going to make plays. So now you got to, you got to got if, if Davidson from Auburn that was hurt all year, if he comes back, you got two guys, two big old guys in the middle that's going to be stout, that's going to put pressure up the middle. Now you got two guys on the edge. Now what you need, you need a safety. You need a safety that's going to come down in that box. And if that linebacker miss, he's right there. And then you got to have, you got to have that big rangy safety that can go sideline to sideline. It's sideline to sideline. Nothing never gets over his head. And if anything tries to get over his head, he's going to hit somebody in the ear hole, to, even though it's illegal, hit somebody in the ear hole to say, don't come this way no more. So, it, it, you know, that's how you build your defense. You got to build your defense through the middle, from the middle going all the way back, from your D tackles to your middle linebackers to your safety, because you're going to find – Perimeter guys, you can find perimeter guys. You can shake a tree and find perimeter guys, but those middle guys, they're hard to find. Mm -hmm. And Terrence, we have you on. Well, it's been an hour, so we're going to ask you now. How much longer do we have you, or is it's an hour enough for you? Let us know how long because everybody's loving you right about now. So well, my, my wife don't get home to ten, so I got time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go that long. <laughs> but I mean, hey, uh, we, if the fans well, are still here, shoot, well, you know, they're excited to have you. So well, thank you. Is, yeah. I mean, you know, no no questions are off limits. If I don't want to ask any answer anything, I won't answer. But um okay. everything, you know, everything else is let's let's go. All right, free game, people. You see that? Put some questions in the chat. And I think we got a couple of that we also have sent you before. Okay. Um what were your thoughts on Matt Ryan's contract restructure, you know, compared to who you felt maybe needed to be restructured in replace to that? What are your thoughts on it? I always said, don't do it. I said from the beginning, don't restructure his contract. Just let it play out. Because if you just let it play out, uh, you're, you're not going to be in debt if right. you have to get rid of him. Not as much debt as you are. You're locked in mm -hmm. for the next two years. Because you mm -hmm. restructured, you're still going to be, if you release him next year, you're still on the hook for $25 million. And if you wait for the, the, the year after that, you're still on the hook for about another $28, 29000000 million. So why restructure if you're going to stay on the hook with all that money? Mm -hmm. So 
and just let it play out and see how it happens. And that's the same thing, you know, my this. But I'm speaking as if I got Matt Ryan money. I don't ever want to speak for him because <laughs> it is money. And, and I ain't never put my hand in nobody else's pocket. So right. I'm just saying this is the if I was running, if I was the GM and I'm looking at it whatsoever. But you had to do it because you were 25 million, almost 30 million over the cap going into free agency. So you had right. to do something to get that number low to even go out and sign guys to one year deals. And so it comes from the bad contract deals we were based from the old regime. Those bad yes. deals that we was putting out there, you know, you gotta blame. Why are you smiling? Why are you smiling? Let's get it. Hey, hey I want to get into. I want to get into this question. Well, this, 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 this is the this, this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. You knew. You knew after that Super Bowl year that this was coming. You knew that, but <laughs> but you gave your quarterback hundred million plus. You gave your star receiver all the money and you gave your defensive tackle a lot of money. You redid Debo. And the thing is, you knew this was coming. Well, mm -hmm. you knew it was coming, but you didn't set yourself up for it. It's, it's one of those things that you panicked. When I say you panicked, you said, if I don't get this thing done, we're going to lose these guys. They weren't going anywhere. They were mm -hmm. going to be Falcons. They want to be Falcons for life. They wasn't going anywhere. They was just, they was going to, what they did was Deep. they told you, I need this or I'm going to play this contract out and get in the free agency and go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking, I'm speaking on GM. I'm speaking as Terrence mm -hmm. Matthews, yeah. GM. At the end of the day, people don't like it. The Falcons got to do what's best for the Falcons. And then at the, on the other side of it, the players got to do what's best for them. So that's what when you get that button of heads right there, because the Falcons think the players should think you should be loyal to us because of this. You're with us. We've taken care of you financially for the rest of your life so you should stick with us and the players are saying hold up if my productivity goes down you're gonna find a way to trade me or you're gonna release mm -hmm. me or when i become a free agent you're not gonna sign me back to the team so i gotta do what's best for me so that's why we go back to trust if there's not a trust from the locker room to the coaches room to the front office you're not going to be successful. So the front office got to gain trust back mm -hmm. from the players because uh, what happened before uh, there was a lot of distrust. Plus, we, said, did, we haven't, we haven't drafted well in the last three years. And, and I, you know, we we we, so, we got some guys that, that are playing like Terrell. He's he's going to be a good he's going to be a really good football player. But but I, I'm not just talking about first rounders. I'm talking about all through the draft. Sixth, seventh round, fifth round. Where, where are those guys? Where are those guys? If you look at if you look at the time that, okay, if you look at the time Dimitrov came in to now, you probably from the drafts 
there's probably only 25% of those guys are still on the team. Mm-hmm. You said a mouthful then. I got this question for you. Since we kind of, you know, went into that, like, what do you, do you think it was more of an issue with um, the front office? And I mean, front office, I mean, the scouting and scouting, it essentially starts with the GM and his team. And uh, the coaches, they do have a, they have a say. But what are your thoughts on Thomas Demetrio? You think he had a clear vision? You think he was ready for that job? For what? I don't think he was ready for the job. I think he was well over his head. I thought they got a guy who was up and coming, and he wasn't necessarily ready for that job. And he got over in over his head and start making picks and panic moves that didn't pan out. Well, I, you know, at the end of the day, you know. Um, I think he did the best that he knew how to do. How about that? I'm not going to say he was terrible. He was over his head. He did the best that he could do, and he did what uh, others wanted him to do. You got to understand now, uh, Mm -hmm. there's there's more than just the GM making decisions now. Mm -hmm. We can say, we can say, it's the GM, it's the GM, but at the end of the day, there's two other entities that's above the GM that has Basically. a Basically. Basically. And that's And that's Rich mm-hmm. McKay and Arthur Blank. So mm-hmm. when you, I talked about, remember earlier, I talked about there's only two people that get wins and losses. That's the quarterback mm-hmm. and the head coach. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, if you, hey man, if you give me a piece of bread with a hole in it and I make a jelly sandwich, jelly gonna fall through the hole. <laughs> right. <laughs> it makes sense. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so if, if if I'm a head coach, I don't if if I can be the a genius in X's and O's and game plans and preparation whatsoever, this and that. But if what we say we don't have Jimmy and Joe's, we ain't gonna win. If we don't have those two, we can go in. You see what I'm saying? Collective it, it has collective to be. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the today's NFL, as you see, everybody's trying to stack their teams, just like the NBA is doing. Tom Brady mm-hmm. put together this football team, and then he brought this football, his football team back together again. That's amazing, dude, because there's a trust they have in that coaching staff and that organization and most of those guys have played long enough and done enough to say hey i'm just playing now for championship mm-hmm. when when your mindset is to win championships and your productivity you're going to get paid if your mindset is i want to be as paid as one of the top 3 guys in my position your productivity is not helping anyone. It's not even helping yourself to get there. So if you if you're playing for the team, for your teammates to win championships, your productivity is gonna get you paid. Man. Why <laughs> so quiet, man? Why so quiet over here? Hey, man. <laughs> I, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I not warn you? Before we went on air, 
Oh, yes, you did. We just, and we don't know what else to say at this point. You pretty much done said we well, over here just loving what you got to say, so we letting you talk. <laughs> we, we, well, I tell okay, them hey. we quiet because we've been saying this show after show, and mm, our fans right. are hard headed. We've been trying to tell them, but we glad to hear. <laughs> we glad they're hearing it from you. So now when we say it on repeat, they can't say nothing. We've been Hell trying yeah. to tell them <laughs> that Ryan is not the problem. We've been telling them that coaching matters. All the stuff that you said, especially what you said about coaching, and I have one question that I want to ask you because this is something that I was kind of pushing on my channel. I don't know if you personally know Eric Bieniemy, that is the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, but personally, I just want to know, and I know this is separate from the Falcons, I want to know if you do know him personally or if you've studied him, what do you feel about him and why he hasn't gotten a head coach position? Do you think that he's certified? Because personally, I think he's certified. I think he's over certified. Oh. He needed on a little bit because he's in the quest also to do the same. And okay, here, here, here we go. He should have been a head coach two years ago. Here, here's here's the thing. He's a good man. He's a good person. He's a good coach. We know that he puts together the game plans, the practice plans whatsoever. And when you see Andy Reid come over and say something, it's something Andy might want to see or if he's disagreeing with a play call and they're discussing it. But uh, the enemy is calling the plays. He's the play caller. Now, understand this. You know, when he went through this interview process, somebody came out and said, well, I heard he interviewed terrible. He's not a good interview mm, I saw that. And I go, okay and then during the playoffs they had him on I think it was NFL live speaking and he gave me chills I said that's a head football coach right there mm -hmm. let me tell you the problem here oh man I'm listening if, if a man comes playing. in a locker room and can identify with every player in that locker room no matter what color race religion whatever it may be and he can jail with these guys and help these guys to be successful and have longevity because he's mentoring them and teaching them guess what he ain't gonna be over these men he's not gonna be over these men mm -hmm. he's not it in today's game, they just want you to be a head football coach, not a mentor to these right. men. They just want you to come in an office and they want you they want you to gain their trust without you even having uh, relationships with them. And that's a problem because most of these well, not some of these men grew up with no fathers. And now they looking. I'm playing at the highest level. And this man is my football coach at the highest level so i'm gonna respect him everything he says i'm gonna respect and i'm gonna do because i haven't had that in my life and he's gonna help me stay where i need to stay and be who i need to be as a professional and as a man so when that does not happen that's when the trust leaves now you got these athletes looking and saying i don't want to be here no more i don't want to be here it's not a family you, you preach family, but this is not a family. I can't even talk to you. You don't even understand where I'm coming from. Think about it. 
I just told you the league is 70% black and NFL coaching staffs are 70% white. Maybe more, 80% white. Who are they relating to? Who are these players relating to? The streets still, social media still. Oh yeah, there's a lot of players still caught out there in that in that bustle. Look, look at um, who is it? Pac Man. Mm -hmm. Pac Man is staying in the world of trouble, and he's my alumni. You yeah. know, and that man, and like you, know, you said, can, it's just it's not a lot of role models right about yeah, now. I've had conversations with him, and he's a good dude. Yeah, he's a really good dude. But we don't take the time. I say we because I'm a former player and but I, I do it as much as I can. We don't take the time. We what the problem is we want to train these men to say we train them and make a little money off of them. Oh. But we don't want to mentor them and tell them this is what you need to look out for and tell them, look, if you knew my story, you will understand why I am the way I am today because it ain't been easy. I've made some mistakes, some missteps along the way. I've done some things that I'm not proud of. So I've lost money on stupid things and, 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 and you know, and investments and all that stuff. So, but I learned I had to go through this to be who I am. So when I get an opportunity to speak to a young man, we sit there when I train him, we sit there for about 15, 20 minutes and I'm just telling him, this is what you're going to, this is what's going on. This is what's going to happen. This is who you are from now on. And you got to live up to that. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if we're not doing that, we're doing them a, a misjustice. We are doing them a misjustice. And someone asked me, did I go to Westlake? Yes, I did graduate from Westlake. So I mm -hmm. definitely knew who Pac-Man was, but because his back, you know, how he was then, you were in the NFL, like he just said, mm -hmm. you have something more to prove. So regardless of how you might have been, you change that. Mm -hmm. You change that because somebody is paying you for this opportunity to be where you are, where you want it to be. Because I remember he was playing what, basketball. You know, he was doing a number of things. Mm -hmm. And I guess he found his calling in football. But um, 03, I came out in 03. But um, we need mentors. You are absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. They do. It's your occupation. I mean, it's your job. You know, it's a it's a kid's game, but it's still your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. Right. It's your job. It's your legacy. And I ain't talking about your legacy uh, in the game. I'm talking about the legacy with your family and your children and your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. That's you know you you can't get it you can't get it mixed up now it's almost like if you was working nine to five it's your job there's certain things you have to do and the way you have to be to keep your job because they give you right away this is what we expect of you <laughs> and if we don't get this from you you lose your job yeah you're right y'all so quiet over there y'all have anything else let's see what the chat got going on i know they ready i i got one question though for so during your playing time, who who did you use, who did you who did you have fun beating most on the outside? On the, which corner did you have? Which one did I which one did I like going against? Yeah. 
<laughs> you knew you was gonna. You know you was gonna get eight catches. Like exactly. call him out. Call him out. <laughs> Any that played for the New Orleans Saints. Wow. If you look at my stats, my stats against yeah. the Saints. Yes. Oh my I, God! Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, like <laughs> receiver one time against them. I forget what game they were. Yeah, like two hundred. I was like two hundred. One ninety eight. One ninety eight in three quarters. <laughs> oh man! Yes. Oh, one ninety eight. Two touchdowns <laughs> in three quarters. Yep. Oh my goodness! I used to love three playing against the Saints. You, you know why? <laughs> they, the Saints didn't cover you. They played zone defense the whole time, and they didn't cover you. And the only time they covered you if it was like third and four or five or less. And I was like, okay, we got some man to man now. But other than that, they played zone. And look, I'm gonna kill you in the zone because I'm gonna find my spot where I need to be in the zone. Mm-hmm. That sounds like the current Falcons. All we're going to do is play cover three and give everything uh, underneath. Get oh, everything the underneath. Need to run the ball. Hey, hey, do I need to tell them what I call that defense? Okay. We, I, I ain't going to say uh, uh, because I have a certain thing that I call that defense. Uh-huh. They, told, they told me not to do it, so I'm not. Right. Right. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do it. We have a question from Black Mario 2419. What do you think about our new GM, though? And that's, I like it, but I want to know your idea. You know, how do you feel about it? You know what? I I think um, here's a guy that's been in an organization that's been winning. They've been drafted well. They've been put together well. They've been successful for a long, long time. And he's seen has had an opportunity to be there in the war room and 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 see uh, how to plan to have a plan. So now he gets an opportunity to go out on his own and, and devise his own plan um, to help revitalize this uh, this organization. Uh, I think it's a really good hire. I you know he's young, so he, he's gonna make some mistakes along the way. He, he's, he's gonna make some mistakes. Um, but the thing is, he got to surround himself with people that that that's going to let him know when he's about to make a misstep here or a misstep there or really somebody that needs to be in his ear. And I'm just I'm just waiting on the phone call. <laughs> hey, man, I'm there. I'm, I'm right there. You know what? You. I'm right let there. Let them know you. Atlanta Falcons Nation put you on. That's right. Well, see, see, the thing is, is that <laughs> the, 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 understand this. This is this has been a problem with the Falcons. Um, over the years, name one former Falcon besides yeah. Ward Dunn, because he's part owner that is mm-hmm. in the franchise as a coach, scout, player, personnel person at all. Zero. Zero. So you don't have anybody in the organization that when new people come in and say, hey, man, this is the lay of the land of the city of Atlanta, of our fan base, and this is what's expected of us, and this is what our players expect, and this is how we need to either jump on board or change the mentality of of who we are. So when you don't have that, when you got people coming in that don't know 
the history of the Falcons and how it was built and the excitement that can be generated around it, they struggle. They struggle at first. So, and and there you are. I mean, I, I think Fontenot would do a good job. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I told you seven minutes ago, there's still going to be two people looking over his shoulder. And that's Rich McKay and Arthur Blank. And rightfully so, because he's a new guy, hasn't done it before. He's young. So they got to make sure that, you know, they're getting what they paid for. Well, it looks like Red wanted to bring you a big, huge question. And we all was just disappointed at this debacle right here. But please tell us your reaction to the onside kick debacle. How did you screw that up? We were pissed. Uh, you know what? <laughs> it was one of those things they weren't prepared. Um, as we said, wasn't prepared. You know, I think, you know, in in the heat of the moment when there's a situation stressful enough like that, you know, the ball was kicked. You know, in their mindset, they may have thought. You know, we can stay away from it like it was a punt, you know, and they did. And, you know, they screwed it up whatsoever. So that goes back to you got to pay attention to details. You can assume that your hands team understands the rules and know what to do. That's why you got to go over every little detail prior to the game in every situation to make sure that everybody knows what to do. I don't think, I think three or four guys didn't know what to do right there. And that's that's why you put your guys who have been playing in the game on hands team, because they know what to do. So when you put a brain, when you put a group of guys that, 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 that don't play, and all they do is play special teams on that situation. They don't know. But, you know, your receivers, running backs, DBs, who've been on the hands team ever since Little League all the way through know what to do. So I, I think they just made a mistake there. I think personnel and coaching at that time, attention to detail, cost them. Oh, and I see a throwback question right here. I actually want to know exactly, too, how tough was Chris Chandler? Oh my God! And people <laughs> laugh at me. People laugh at me all the time. I say if Chris Chandler had, uh, let me put it this way: if Chris Chandler did not stand in the pocket as long as he did to wait for somebody to come open to make that throw, uh, he wouldn't have had as many concussions as he did. You talking about a oh. tough dude? When you watch, when we watch film. And he stepped, he drops back and he steps up in that pocket and here comes somebody and he, he does not care. And he's going to, he lets that ball go and he's wide open. He gets hit in the chin, bumps his head and concussions. I don't know who, look, how many quarterbacks today do that? They fall to the ground. Guy can be, guy can be a yard, a guy can be a yard for him. He feel that he, he Brady, Brady, Mr. Tom he Brady. This dude never did that. He may have ran with the ball and slid, but he never ducked or dodged 
a rusher when he had a chance to throw the football. He was a tough dude. And he's paying for it today. You know, he, he probably having walking, he probably have walking CTE right now. He, you know, matter of fact, about uh maybe four or five years ago, he was in a hospital. He was in bad shape. They didn't think he was they didn't think he was gonna make it. But yeah, he made I it. I seen that. I seen him about a couple of years ago and we just reminisced and hugged. And he when I say the connection, we talked all the time. It was one of those things that I used to ask him a question. I'm like, hey man, why you throw that ball so early? He says, You do something on every route that's an indicator that tells me when to let the ball go. And I go, okay. So when if you can watch film from the end zone behind us, you can see me still in the route and the ball is in the air. But when I turn and get to where I'm supposed to be, it's where it's supposed to be. We had a thing is I told Chris, don't worry how I get there, but I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be on time. And that's what he did. He <laughs> on He's like, okay, it's time. I know he's going to be there. Paul Girl said, why the number 81 for you? That was given to me as a rookie, and it just stuck with me. I had no significance behind it. Funny story about 81. Wow. Oh, my God. I come in as a rookie in New York, so we're trying on equipment, hel helmets and everything, so we're trying on shoulder pads. Every shoulder pad, remember, I told you I was 160 pounds. So every shoulder pad that they had wouldn't fit me. So <laughs> after lunch, come back and we'll have some shoulder pads for you. So I come back after lunch. They said, we found you some shoulder pads. And I put them on. I said, oh, these are nice. Where'd y'all get them from? So said, hey, we went to the local high school and got your shoulder pads. <laughs> wow. No, they did not. Wow. <laughs> so, <kidding> me? So... <laughs> My shoulder pads, and I was so tiny, my jersey was so big. If you look at some of my Jets football cards from the back, you can see part of the 81 in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> you talking about a dude that looked like a scrub? <laughs> so I would try to pull it out in the back so, you know, the number You can see show. the numbers. Yeah, it was awful. You just see zero and have a one. <laughs> <laughs> awful. But I wore those shoulder pads for 13 years. I still have them today. Yep, I'm a bronze. Wow. Okay. <laughs> they got tearing the shoulder pads from Baby Gap. Reggie, <laughs> you know this is our um this is our chat. As you can see, they are crazy people just as That's much fine. as we are. So <laughs> they they're loving this. That's why it's 150 people right about now looking at us. Wow! Wow! Come so, on, bring questions. Let's ask some questions. Hey, we got some yeah. more. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, what y'all want to go with? Let's see. Go ahead. Um, one of y'all got a question. Let me see what's going on. So I got something too. Outside okay. of Jamal Lewis, who had the best dirty who who did the best rendition of the dirty bird day? You mean Jamal Anderson? Outside of Jamal, Jamal. Anderson. Um nobody. <laughs> nobody. I I did it once and I seen it and I was like, oh, I didn't like that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Jamal, that's all you. That was all Jamal. But the, he didn't originate the Dirty Bird, though. Of course. He did not originate it. He didn't even, or the name, the dance or the name. It was um, O.J. Santiago originated O.J. Santiago. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. A yeah, a lot, lot of people, people don't know that. In New England, we played New England in 98. He scored a touchdown. He got in the end zone. He started doing this. Ah. 
And then we said, we said, yeah, we said, boy, what is that? He said, that's the dirty bird. Everybody said, hmm. yeah, and that's when the name that. started. That's when it started. Right there. Wow. So we got some old school heads in the chat that yeah. know it. There you go. There you go. So they was on it before you even said it. So, you know, we got some dirty birds in here that remember all of that. That whole Dan Reeves do the oh my goodness oh, that we Dan Reeves doing the dirty bird yeah we should have we should have trademarked that name that team should have trademarked that name we'd be <laughs> have a lot of money by now I've been sitting in the studio doing this <laughs> I remember the song that came out that year you can't really find it nowhere right about now the song that came out that was just man that well, was an electrifying year I can tell you that let, let me tell you this let me tell you this to me. And to a lot of my 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 teammates, we feel that everything we've done prior to 2001 has been dismissed. Yeah, it, it it's it's been like we've been the forgotten group, mm -hmm. you know. Even even you know, uh, Michael Vick is starting to vanish a little bit. But he was still part of the regime when uh, Arthur Blank took over. But we feel a little dismissed by the organization, um, and it's, it's it's heartbreaking because you know that team, those teams were even though we didn't win a lot, we meant a lot to the city. You know, everybody knew us. We were down in the city. We were doing community stuff. We were you know, hanging out at the clubs. We were always on the radio. We were always doing something. So people knew us. They can touch us. They can feel us. They understood us. And now it's like everything that we've done and everything that we have cemented has been just forgotten or destroyed. And, and I'm going to add to this before you get to your question, Ju, but I recall those that year particularly going into the super bowl we had coaches in regular high school gyms and yeah the schools were doing the dirty bird like they were hyping up the schools to do this it was like a dirty bird contest you had to get the kids interacting it was something for families not just because of the season but it was just like you said there was a respect factor you loved each other you yeah. played like it. It showed it. Every mm -hmm. player on that team had a name on that team. So right. you just couldn't say, oh, Jabal Anderson. You yeah. couldn't say, yeah. you know, you, it was so many people on that team alone. Yeah. We had so many We had so many characters. And like you said, it, like any families, you're going to have riffs and stuff like that, this and that. Mm -hmm. uh, we... <laughs> We used to have our little riffs and that people don't know about it. And, and it's funny because if we had uh, camera phones back then, oh, my God, it was hilarious. <laughs> we had a kid one time, like before we leave, like every rookie in every group has to bring Popeye's chicken for the whole group. So rookie in, at the receiver position, when we get on a plane, <laughs> we got to have Popeye's chicken. So. A rookie on the linebackers decided he wanted to bring 
Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh! <laughs> so the DB was like, "What the hell was this?" I was running, and on the way on the way down, that was the only thing that I seen. So I got Kentucky Fried Chicken. They started throwing chicken at him on the plane. <laughs> oh my god! Dude. Fight breaks out. I'm like, this is crazy. So that's little things like that. But it was fun. We had we had a lot of fun. If you got on the plane, because Dan made us. When we traveled, we had to dress oh, in, oh, in, in yeah, coat, and tie. coat mm-hmm. and tie. We, yep. we had to dress. So if you came in something raggedy, oh, Lord, we got it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it was hilarious, man. Sometimes you feel sorry for the guys. He, he you know, God, talk. Those are yeah. days, man. Those are days. <laughs> I was, you know what? The, and the thing is, People always ask me, said, do you miss playing? I said, I don't miss Sundays. I miss Monday through Saturday because mm. when we were together all the time, that was the fun part of it. We only we was only playing two and a half, three hours on Sunday, but the rest of the week was the fun time when we did things from, from Bible studies to doing Friday night's dinners whatsoever. Uh, so what we used to what a tradition I um is that group goes out to dinner every Friday. So the receivers go out every Friday and the veteran guy pick where we go whatsoever. So I would pick places like when it was my time to pick, I pick, <laughs> I pick places like chops or something like that. And then the rookie will always have to pay for the meal. We go to chop. Oh, wow. Hour. Yeah. We go to chop. <laughs> but if you have more, the more rookies you have in the group, the better it is. Cause now they can split the bill, whatever right, they have to right. do. We go to Chops one time, right? And we got this one rookie, and we all sitting there, and they had a special on uh, Maine Lobster. Maine, live Maine Lobster. This is why I said it this way. Live Maine Lobster. They had a, a special. So it was like, oh, wow, nice. And so everybody, basically everybody was ordering that. So we get to this one rookie who was from Florida, he goes, uh, I'm going to have the live main lobster, too, but I want mine cooked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm going, we laugh. I spit my wine out on the table. I'm just laughing. I said, hey, man, is, they're not going to give it to you raw. You're going to be crawling on the table. They're going to cook it. They're from Florida. Come on, man. Come on. So, we, you know, we, we, you know, I'm, I don't know what the current situation is with, with these guys, but I'm telling you, you know, we need to get back. To I that. said something. I said something. I said, you know what? And correct me if I'm wrong. Do we hear our guys on black radio during the week after the games? No. Do we ever, do you ever no. hear them on black radio? With Ryan Cameron or with Tigger or with Frank Ski, no. we don't know who these guys. We don't know who these guys are. We don't know who these guys are, right? They won't tell. Oh yeah, it was promotions and commercials and everything. Oh. Tell me, everybody knew what player was on those yeah. teams. You oh, were yeah. absolutely you know, right. We had we if we were waiting to get on radio, especially black radio. We were waiting because, like, mm-hmm. shoot, our people, come on, think. of Here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a history fact for you guys. During the, from 2001 
to maybe 2003, 2004, whenever Michael Vick got in trouble, whatever that year was, um, 2005. Five. We had more black season ticket holders than any other team yeah. in NFL. Yeah. And we had we had the longest waiting list of any team mm -hmm. in the NFL. The other team that was closest to us was now the Washington football team. Mm -hmm. And now here we are in 2021. <laughs> we probably got the least probably in the bottom tier of black season ticket holders in the NFL. That's why I said we were spoiled. We were spoiled all those years. We were yeah. spoiled. If we don't have if we don't have that dude, we ain't coming to the game. We ain't buying a season ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ju, what you got? Cause I know you've been waiting. Now you good. The question I had, I want to go back a little bit. Earlier in the stream, he talked about the Falcons not necessarily uh, are rebuilding, but we're only a couple pieces away from, I guess, getting back to the Super Bowl or being playoff contenders. So I want to know, with Mr. Mathis being the GM, what pieces do you think we need to add? <laughs> I think you mentioned edge rusher earlier, but what's another piece you think we need to add to be a contender for the Super Bowl or a contender for the playoffs? A Jamal Adams-type safety, somebody with energy, Somebody's gonna play and, and bring that defense at a high level. Uh, I think moving um, Deion Jones and making him rush the passer and cover in space, I think that's mm -hmm. gonna help us. Um, and I think a thumper in the middle will help us. And then honestly, I think I said this last week, if you don't wanna go spend that money on an edge rusher or with that pick with an edge rusher okay i get it if you just want an edge rusher go get alden smith and pay him two million dollars for the year and let him just rush on third down and then the other guys could, are suitable enough to play the run and create some pressure but if you want mm -hmm. double digit sacks go get this guy and let him play 60 percent of the game 60 percent of the plays and all you ask him to do is go get the quarterback I would take that investment because guess what? If I pick one in the at the fourth pick, right? That's about you can go from that. that you're looking at maybe 12, 15 million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You save money, get out of that pick. Just go get just go get one and say, hey, we're gonna this is how we're gonna use you. We ain't gonna play you a lot, but this is what your job is gonna be. And now you got a dude rushing with some attitude. You find that safety that's gonna come downhill and do his thing. You got that thumper in the middle. That's your three players right there. And we on our way. We 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 already solved the issue with running back with Mike Davis. He's going to be suitable enough because we know we ain't going to run the ball, but maybe he probably touched the ball 20, 24, 25 times a game. Five of them, four, three or four of them would be passes and then he running and you can suitable. He'd be a factor in the run game for us because he runs hard. And then we got all the pieces on the outside. Mm -hmm. uh, people sleep on Hurst, the tight end from the Ravens that we picked up. He's, the dude can play, man. He can run. And, you know, Julio has a chance to heal because, look, he ain't played the second half of the season. He had all off season. Now he's healing up. And, hey, man, sky's the limit. I'm telling you, this team, 
And and understand this, we drafted in the last three drafts so many offensive linemen, they need to be gelling together by now because they've been playing together for a while. So we should be okay. I would think that another offensive tackle may help move Jake Matthews to the right and bring in somebody on the left side that can protect Matt's backside. I think we, we're on our way. Mm -hmm. And a piggyback on my question. Um, so what do you think about the, the Buccaneers? Because they were able to basically keep pretty much all of their free agents and they basically kept their whole championship team together. Do you think that they're going to be a team that can go back to the Super Bowl? Or do you think with the target on their back, they're going to kind of take a step back this season? Well, you know, they won, they won the Super Bowl with defense and they made sure they got their defensive pieces back together. And the thing is, is that you, you got to understand none of those guys, you, you didn't hear anything about they better pay me or I'm leaving. It was quiet because guess what? They trusted the head coach and the front office that they were going to get it done. When he said you coming back, he meant it when he said you coming back. And that's what they did. So they, you didn't hear Fournette saying, you didn't look, you didn't hear Fournette engaging in other talks. You didn't hear Sue engaging in other talks. You didn't hear any of those, Barrett or anybody, David, anybody on that defense engaging in other talks with other teams. You got to understand these guys are veteran guys that have been around a long time. They've made good money. They just won a Super Bowl. They won another one. And they're they going to make money. They're going to they continue to make money as long as they're productive and winning football games. Mike, y'all got a question before I'm going to re-up. I got one more question I want to ask, but I don't want to hog all the questions. So y'all go ahead. <laughs> one more question. I just want to know, where does Terrence Mathis stand on the GOAT conversation? Because personally, I've been talking with the fans about Tom Brady, and everybody swears he's the GOAT. Personally, he's not my GOAT, but I want to hear where you stand on the GOAT conversation if you engage in GOAT conversations. Um, after what he did this year, first, if you'd have asked me this last year, I'd have said no. After what he did this year, you know, championships matter, man. I mean, you know, championships matter. I don't care what era you played in, championships matter. And he has the most. And he's done it. He's been there, what, 12 times? Been to the Super Bowl 11, 12 times? Got six rings now? Um, I mean, that's remarkable, man. And at the end of the day, when, when you leave an organization, go to an organization that finished what last or was next to last in the division and take that team to the Super Bowl and win it. Hey, man, that's some LeBron James stuff right there. So I, right now, Tom, until the next one comes along, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Okay, I, I, I got a question. Y'all don't I, like I Tom Brady here. because he played for the Patriots. I can't handle it. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I just think he's just one of the most privileged quarterbacks. I'm, I'm just going to be real, man. Championships matter. I never say championships matter, but come on, man. How, how many times are you going to – how many times have we heard this man talking about other teams talking about this guy and they did this and he got this call and I didn't get this call? We've seen Matt Ryan get knocked the bloody hell out. No flag, and you crawl at Tom Brady's knees, and yeah. you get a flag. Well, T Sizzle well, fell at his legs, and they got a call. He fell yeah. at Tom Brady's you, legs. Look, man, look, 
guess what? If Matt Ryan had six Super Bowls, they'd be man, doing the same on, thing for him. Come on. No, 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 no. I'm telling you that that's just the truth, man. That's 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 the truth. I mean, he's the all-American kid. And um he has a great story. Think about it. He has a great story. Drafted in the sixth round from Michigan and steps in uh, when Bledsoe gets hurt and the rest is history. I mean, it's, it's a great story. All right. I'm going to piggyback off that with this question. So when are we going to expect the 30 for 30 with Tom Brady narrated? <laughs> About what? Saying what? I said the 30 for 30 with Starring Tom Brady, narrated by Drew Bledsoe. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and Bill Belichick, too. <laughs> you, you know what, man? You know, that was that was the one of, well, that was the second time that I remember where the starting quarterback gets hurt, who was an all-pro and been to a Super Bowl and gets replaced. And when he gets healthy, he never gets his job back. Uh, another time in, in history was the Magic Man from Green Bay when he got hurt and Brett Favre stepped in and history was wrote. So, I mean, it happens, man. And the thing is, is it was it's just his time. It just happens for him. I mean, shoot, end of the day, uh, I want six rings. Shoot. If it, if it, and then if it had to be with Tom Brady, I'd do it with Tom Brady. You're right. I think we're going to go ahead because it's going on two hours, so we're probably going to wrap it up with a couple of last-minute questions. But let's get to Black Mario's question. Um, Terrence, do you think Pease can turn the defense around maybe top 10? Yes. I would say I would say if you, if you finish in the top 15, you have a chance to win the division and go on deep into the playoffs because we've been bottom. That jump halfway would take you where you need to go. So I like Pease. I like his uh, mentality. I like his his demeanor whatsoever. He's no nonsense. Um, thing is, he he's gonna he's gonna earn your respect, and he's gonna respect you. That's what I know about Pease. He's he's done a great job in the NFL for years. Okay. Let's see what else we got Hello. in the chat. Just giving the questions to some of the fans here. Um. I got one. Go I got one question. I got Go one, one question. When you played with the GOAT, you, you played with the greatest of all time, Jerry Rice. You, you've seen Jerry Rice, his work ethic, how he, you know, got on the field and what he did on the field. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah, I know exactly where you're going with this. Who, like, a lot of people, including myself, I like to compare Julio Jones to Terrell Owens. I think Terrell Owens is probably one of the most complete receivers I've ever seen. Who is, without a doubt, the greatest receiver, uh, uh, just talent-wise? Not numbers and all that. When you look at talent, the most talented receiver that you've ever seen, like it doesn't have to be a Julio. It doesn't have to be some guy that you know, like you like is well-known. Like a, a talented wide receiver, one of the greatest Jerry Rice, 
Jerry Ooh. Rice. I, I, I got a chance to play against him in, in our division. Um, and the things that he could do, he can catch a hitch, go to distance. He can catch a screen, go to distance. He can catch a slant, go to distance. Any route, he can run any route there is what we call in on the passing tree. He can run mm-hmm. any route to perfection. Great hands, great run after the catch. Um, and he works his butt off to be that way. Comes from an HBCU, Mississippi Valley State. Mm-hmm. Um, people say, oh, you know, hey, this guy, this guy. And then people make the argument, well, look where who he played with, Joe Montana, Steve Young, whatsoever. But, and I go to you, well, if he didn't get open, they wouldn't throw him the ball, right? he had to get open it wasn't like he wasn't getting open he got open and he made plays and and 49ers with their offensive scheme when he was hot they kept going to him and that's what i like about coordinators when you have a dude that's on fire keep giving him the ball and finding a way to give him the ball until they figure out how to stop him and by the time they figure it out and adjust to the other one that other dude is going to start killing him and then you they're gonna be off kilter and don't know what to do. It seemed like when it seemed like in the past, when we start going good with something, we go away from it. And then we do something totally opposite. And you go, what is that? And for instance, I'm gonna give you a situation. I don't know if it was the Seattle or the Green Bay. NFC championship game here in the Georgia Dome where it was fourth down. We had the ball. I was at that game. I think it was. And um, whoever the coordinator was called the play for Matt Ryan to roll out. And when when they did that, I said, that is the dumbest play on fourth down because you're only playing half the field. You're only playing half the field. Yes, that. Oh my! Half God. the field. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. <laughs> and that leads us to a question from um, Keyshawn. Um, speaking of offense and offensive coordinators, of course, do you think Arthur Smith is going to run the mess out of the boys? You know, because no. our biggest thing is run the ball right about now. I, you know what? <laughs> This is this is this is what this is what I think. They've been so quiet in Flowery Branch. We don't know what no, to expect. We, know what we don't hear from Arthur Smith. We don't hear yeah. anything. It's been so quiet. It could be a good thing. I'm gonna say it's a good thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Understand this. When you have a coach <laughs> in Tennessee like Babe Vrabel, who is a hard nose, hit him in the mouth type coach, he was told run the football. You got Derrick mm-hmm. Henry back there run the football, you know, and I get it. And I think when you're an offensive coordinator, you do what your head coach tells you to do and you find a way to do it effectively. But when you get your own gig, you want to do your thing. Uh, yep. You want to do your uh, thing. Think, that's think, about, cool. think like about it. all the toys this dude has. You think he's going to run the ball? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I can see him run the ball maybe 30 to 35 times a game, but dude, he got all them weapons. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Man. That's like- <laughs> and you already said you're not going to know which way they coming. 
you, you don't know which way they're coming. Yeah. So I like I like where the Falcons are headed. Um, I was scared until they uh, signed Mike Davis. Um, mm -hmm. Now free agency is still going on. Um, now it's the draft. We would know what direction these Falcons are going in with the draft. And it's not even with the fourth pick because you got to understand we have more picks after the fourth right. pick. So it's what they do from round three to six or seven. Mm -hmm. So then we'll we know more where the Falcons are. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. I got one final question. I guess we can go ahead and wrap it up. Let's talk about your own podcast, Atlanta Sports Unlimited. How did that get started? Um. Y'all know Terrence Moore, the writer Terrence Moore. Oh yeah. Uh, he and I, he and I are friends. We we've been friends for years. He's controversial. He does, you know, I get it. He <laughs> says things, he's off the wall. But when he and I talk, it's candid and we have a great relationship where to the point that uh he knows what's on the record and what's off the record when I talk. So that's so he's he works with um, you know, he does things CNN. Uh, Fortune Magazine, Sports Illustrated. So last year before COVID hit, we were talking about doing something with Sports Illustrated on a weekly basis. And then he evolved into this. So, well, Sports Illustrated was sold. So everything was was, was stopped. So then um, this came about and he asked me to do it. And one thing I said to him, I said, look, don't give me a script. Don't tell me what to talk about. Absolutely. You won't know what I'll talk about until I hit the button that I'm <laughs> on air. So it's been very organic. It's been me because I've done other shows before where I just felt like it wasn't me. And now I'm finally get a chance to be on shows like yours and having my own where I can just talk and be real where if we were sitting in my man cave and we just talking. Oh yeah. And, that, yeah. and I think I don't want you to turn on ESPN and say, oh, he just said that. He just talked about that. He just talked about that. I or right. I just that on ESPN. Or I just heard that on Fox Sports. No, I don't want that. I want you to get my thoughts, my feelings, um, raw and no no mixing. <laughs> <laughs> That's Great. what a lot of Falcon Nation is, you guys. Some people basically we've been getting some feedback about, oh, you need to be a little bit more professional. You need to be, you know, you know, you got to yeah. look like your ESPN. Right. Atlanta Falcons Nation is not that. Well, that's, you know, I've been. You don't want to be that. It's It's been that, you know, we are running out of time because it's what time is it? Nine oh seven. Yeah. Wife coming home in an hour, so yeah. <laughs> Not only that, I'm she blowing up my phone right now. <laughs> I ain't answering, and she's wondering where I am. Oh, look, let me tell you, my family is so funny when I don't answer the phone. Now, my daughter's calling me. Oh, so where are you at now? <laughs> Before where are you at, dad? Son, you answer the phone, calling me. You know, you know, when you get older, they got to check on you. I get it, I get it. All you're having well. a good time. Let them know you're having fun, but we're not going to hold much of your time up. It's yeah. been two hours. It definitely. Yeah. And I appreciate you yeah, being yeah, here this long with us, and it anytime. just felt like you was a part of the show. You're a part anytime. of the team. Anytime. anytime. 
And guess what? We would like to come to your show one day. Oh, yeah. See, now think about that, guys. I would love that. Now, that's fun. Mm -hmm. That's fun because let's make it happen. uh, I, I, I got real with you guys. That one is more football, more I get more intense with the football stuff. But, you know, you guys made me sweat tonight, though. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing for the draft show? What are you doing for draft? Are you, you know, um, tell, you know sitting at home or are you yeah, I'll looking be for somewhere to be? Because be we home. are doing a live um, draft show, at least for the first round, um, okay. with these fans here. So if you have nothing else to do and you just want somewhere to talk a little bit, even if it's just a couple of minutes, we already kind of got somebody that said they might be in for a couple of minutes just to give their little feedback. Because you didn't know everybody waiting on that fourth round pick. So yeah. I'm ready to see some faces and some pouting in the chat. So if you have nothing else to do, you are the invitation is open for you draft night. All right. No problem. I'm in. Okay. Well, okay. I hope, hope tentatively I'm in. Something may come no up. Saying. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Based on your schedule. I'm just putting it out there for you. But of course, we know that's a busy time and everybody is obligated to something during that time. So if you got something to do, just let us know, but we'll reach out to you, see if you open, even if it was just a couple of minutes. People just want to see you again. Yeah. So let's see. Definitely, we got to talk after the draft because either I'm gonna be mad or I'm gonna oh, be yeah. happy. <laughs> and I'm gonna, if if I'm mad, I'm gonna bring it hard. <laughs> I, think that might, I think that might be the money maker show right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our after shows are always amazing too. So. I might have three bottles of water that show. <laughs> <laughs> They already said, please come back. Please come back. We're seeing it. Please come I wanna, back. I want to leave you guys with this. Um, always be love. And you will get love. Always uplift. Never tear down. You know, my whole thing is this. When I, I'm going to say this, I'm saying this on this premise. It's none of our business what Deshaun Watson is going through right now is between him, the individuals and God. Mm -hmm. We are no place to judge anybody because we are all sinners in God's eyes. It's just by his love, his grace and his mercy that we are here today. So be blessed. And I love you. Perfect. And we touched on it as well. It was like, look, only the truth will be told for that situation. I yeah. have nothing to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Kyle. you. Welcome. We'll get you back to your phone call. They blowing you up now. Yeah. So oh, thank yeah. you, Terry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll reach back out to you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Two hours and two minutes. And yes. Minutes. <laughs> hey, it I was... love it. I love it. The only Thank problem, you. maybe next time I'll be on my deck smoking a cigar while we talking. Hey, <laughs> make that happen. The after hey. show, after the draft. We'll get yeah. you. We'll get yeah. you. Yeah. We get <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mr. A to one. Yeah, everybody say welcome. bye bye. Thank you, everybody. God you bless well. Mr. Mathis. That's what they're saying. Thank you, Mr. 81. Mm. We appreciate you. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. All right. Good. We're not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> We're not worthy. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You okay, so um, so basically, wonderful show, people. Wonderful show. It's been two hours, so hey, it didn't feel like it. It didn't. 
it did not feel like two hours. <laughs> he said thank you. A lot of people said nice going. So y'all go follow him on his podcast and stream. But I guess we're gonna go ahead and what wrap it up here. And we've been going on yeah, for two hours. Right. So let's wrap it up. Let's give um just this quick two uh two point. Um I let me I just want to start with this, man. This is this is exactly what we want, and we're gonna continue to you know give you guys like we're gonna give you nothing but the hardcore facts, truth, the, the fact stacks and the truth. This is what it's all about. All right, mm -hmm. you're gonna hear it from the horse's mouth, you're gonna hear it from the reporters, like Tori McElhaney. Like, we're gonna you're gonna hear it from these guys. We're gonna reach out to these guys and give you exactly what what ESPN is not going to say we heard it from Terrence today they feel unappreciated this is exactly how we feel as fans they don't appreciate us he is a he is a former player don't feel appreciated he's been disrespected he's one of the greatest receivers in my like he's one of the greatest receivers I've ever seen he wasn't blessed with to run a 4-2 but he made it 13 years in the freaking league and, and what piled up almost 600, almost 700 um, receptions in his career. All right. And then he didn't have, he didn't have 150 targets a, a, a season. He didn't have that. So this man had to work his behind off to get there. So this is what it's all about. A lot of people like now, we like to, you know, label guys greatest of all time before they even get in the uh, league. This man worked his ass off to even get there. So he deserves our respect. He deserves it. He worked his ass off. He was a six-round pick. Told he was too small. And he worked his ass off to get where he is. So let's give, like, let's give these guys, the Atlanta Falcons players, man, the respect that they do. And stop going at these guys on Twitter. Like you said before, man, it's all about it. you get love. You give love, you will get love. And that's all I got to say about that. I like what uh, Pre Brown said. He had many quarterbacks throwing to him, too, and one of the greatest route runners in the NFL history. So, look, these guys are slept on, people. We need to go to Flowery Branch email or whatever we need to do. Honestly, he's right about that. They That team right there alone, that error right there alone is forgotten. You ain't Michael Vick or anybody like that. You just... You're you overlooked. Oh, you are afterthought if you ain't Michael Vick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we ain't going to go into that speech, but uh, my last two points is, people, go ahead and share out this content. If you know somebody you want on the show, hit them up and say AFN is looking for them. Just go ahead and get us to a 1,000 because we are pretty much – I didn't even look at the number. We're tr definitely trying to get there. So we appreciate everybody that's tuned in. But that's pretty much all I'm going to say on that one. Subscribe to the channel to so share out this content. It was amazing to interview. Thank you, people. Absolutely. That's all I got to say. Let's go ahead, Juju. Hey, like she said, go over to AFN, hit that subscribe button. Y'all helped your boy get to 1,000 at Ju Talk Sports. Hey, let's help us here at AFN get to 1,000. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Like Mike said, this is why we bring on former players, reporters, because we want to get their unfiltered opinion. He's telling you, like, all of the stuff that we say, we've been saying, he pretty much was saying verbatim pretty much a lot of the things that we've been trying to tell you guys about the stats, the facts and the truth. You know, we don't try to give you guys the false narratives that's out there. We give you guys the facts. And he basically came up here and told you guys this guy 13 years in the league, 
like I said, he's a legend. Um, I'd hope that the Falcons, uh, Arthur Blank, Rich McKay, they need to reach out to these former players. Like he's a player that could be a mentor to a player like Calvin Ridley. He was mm -hmm. talking about it. The what, what Calvin Ridley needs to do to get used to being hit. He needs to get in the weight room. Um, Chuck Smith, we've been struggling with pass rush. That's what he does. He's a professional pass rushing specialist. Like that's what he does. So we need to reach out to these old Atlanta Falcons greats. Like we don't need to forget about these guys. And that's why I love here at AFN that we bring these guys on the show so we can reminisce about the great times and how good of a players these guys were. He was all of these guys that we're seeing now, these younger guys, Julio Jones, Roddy White, they're standing on these guys' shoulders. Like Terrence Mathis was the first guy that was leading our team in receptions and yards, touchdowns, and now Julio Jones, Roddy White, all of these guys that we're seeing now, Calvin Ridley, they're shoulders. So we definitely need to give these guys their flowers while they're still here. Um, but like we said, man, we're going to continue to bring you guys the best Atlanta Falcons content. And like I said, it's going to be unfiltered. That's what I loved about this interview. He was down to earth and he was just giving it to us straight. He was like, if y'all ask me, I'm going to answer to the best of my ability. No mm -hmm. question is off limits. And a lot of the times, and I think Maggie can vouch for this and Matt Mike can vouch for this. When we do our interviews, everybody's not like Terrence, where they're going to give you the, you can ask them any question and he's going to answer it. A lot of the times they want to, you know, they want certain questions. So I really enjoyed this interview and just I, I can't wait to have him back on the show because he has some great stories. I just like hearing their stories and things of that nature and hearing what they had to go through for him to be a six round pick. And then to be a pro bowler, that's just amazing. But that's pretty much all I had. You guys, guys definitely continue to tune into Atlanta Falcons Nation. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Now I'm going to kick it over to K-Styles. Somebody said Andre Rising, Jesse Tuggle, <laughs> Deion Sanders. <laughs> we writing them down, people. We trying. We definitely want to get some more former players on the show. Go ahead. Oh, well, Mike jumped off. I know he was having some. There you go. Go ahead, Matt. Mike, you're going to go ahead and end it. I think you went um, K-Styles. You didn't either. Go ahead, K-Styles. Y'all going to say fuck K-Styles, huh? <laughs> <laughs> The hell with K-Style. Go ahead, K-Style. My bad, sir. All right. Yeah, like I said, we just appreciate I appreciate Terry dropping them gems on us in this, this, this stream today. Like I said, I appreciate everybody tuning in with us. Like I said, make sure y'all follow Atlanta Falcon Nation. We're trying to get to the 1K side of the game. Mm -hmm. So we can do this. But <laughs> oh yeah, give Terrence Mathis to the ones um one thousand uh fans too. Go back if you see the chat. I'm gonna Atlanta, put the link in the chat. Get him there as well. Sports Unlimited, Atlanta Sports Unlimited. Check their channel out, man. Here's um, the link right there. Go ahead and get him to a thousand as well, people. <laughs> he got some gems, and yeah. he got more of it on his channel. So go on over there and follow. Exactly. We appreciate y'all. Yeah, like I said, you follow Just K Styles channel. Like I said, I am. 700 no 775 <laughs> away from the thousand. So you really be counting more <laughs> so we taking it one day at a time but at the end of the day this is all love and this is appreciative for everybody that tunes in every week mm -hmm. like i said 
You didn't get a kicking it with K Style show today. You got a kicking it with Terrence Mathis show today. Mathis, you will get a kicking it with K Styles. I already kind of got something set up, so we so. might just go ahead and do that. What tomorrow or whatever? So we'll get a kicking it with K Styles. But um, people, on that note, let's go ahead and end this day because it's been two hours and I'm ready to eat. So. How people? <laughs> you ain't got Maggie's go gotta go. You gotta get the hell out of here. You gotta get the hell out of here. Appreciate y'all, people. Peace out, people. Peace out. And we will write down those names though and reach out to these players. We appreciate y'all. And we're out, people. <laughs>